Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. All right, good morning, good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. SOAP, how you feeling? You're ready? You guys are awake? You guys are alert? You guys are excited to get into God's word. Um, of course, y'all are. Y'all are the, 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 the faithful few who get up every single morning, 6 a.m., to jump on the soap and get closer to God. Amen? Amen. But you listen, it's not just you guys. Listen, we have a lot of people who listen to this later on. They listen to the podcast. They catch us on YouTube. Um, so... It's really exciting what God is using through this medium of of soap and and all of our teachers who take the time and they dedicate time to study and and just to share what the Lord is is doing um, in His Word and in our lives. Amen. Amen. So um, this morning we are in First Chronicles twenty two. First Chronicles twenty two. I am going to pray and then we're going to dig right into it. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your Word. Your word that's always true, always faithful, Lord God. Your word that we can always go to, Lord, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves ourselves in, Father Lord. So pray, Lord, that during this time you will be with us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be speaking to each and every one of us, Lord, during this time, Father. Those of us here on this call now and even those later on listening on the podcast or on YouTube, Father, be with us during this time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. A stretch, First Chronicles 22, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Then David said, this is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he appointed masons to cut hewn stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints, and bronze in abundance beyond measure. And cedar trees in abundance for the Sidonians and those from Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young, young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparations for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper, and build the house of the Lord your God, as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding, and give you charge concerning Israel, that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. 
Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with, with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord. One hundred thousand talents of gold and one million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters, and all types of skillful men for every kind of work. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. God also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give it a good stretch. Don't forget to drink your Bustelo this morning. All right, so here we're seeing that David is is giving Solomon the command for the temple, right? And we know from previous readings that David wanted to be the one to build the temple for the Lord, right? He 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 said the Lord is, you know, living in a tent while I'm living in the, in a beautiful palace. This is ridiculous. I want to build a temple for the Lord, my God. Um, but then the Lord told him he couldn't, right? So here, here in beginning with verse two, it says, David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel. First Kings five, um, beginning uh, with uh, verse 15 to 18, it describes how these people were actually put to work in the building of the temple in Solomon's day. And at this time, um, when he's talking about aliens, he's talking about um, Gentiles, non-Jews who were living in the land is talking about the slaves that they had um in the time so there were there's plenty of workers to help build the temple um it talks about in verse four cedar trees in abundance the cedar trees of lebanon that's just talking about were legendary for their for their their timber right and the, the the quality of the wood that came from the trees and this means that david and Solomon, after him, wanted to build the temple out of the best materials possible. And it also means that they were willing to, to build the great temple of God with Gentile wood using Gentile hands. Listen, this was a temple to the God of Israel, but it was a temple not meant just for Israel. All right. That's kind of that's really important. It was a temple built for God, for Yahweh. Right, the one who brought them out of Egypt, the one who has brought them this far, the one who has helped them conquer the land that was promised to their ancestor Abraham. Right, but the temple was not going to be just for for them. This was going to be an example to all the world of the God of all creation. Amen. The God of the Israelites. David says in verse five, Solomon, my Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. Even after David's death, Solomon knew that he was young and inexperienced, right? Solomon wasn't one of these guys who once once he became king, you know, he's got a big head and was just like, that's it. I got this. You know, I know everything, you know, and, you know, that's not how a generation is today. The young, the, the young folk of, the, of today's generation, you know, they know everything. 
right? Right, you know, as as, as soon as they, they get one of these, these little devices in their hand, right? And they got all the information in the world in their hand. They know everything, right? Solomon, who arguably is the greatest, you know, one of, one of the greatest kings ever, knew that he was still unex- young and inexperienced. First Kings 3.7 says, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Right. And when he was writing this in First Kings, it's not that he was a physical small child, it's that he recognized that he was young. He recognized that he didn't have the wisdom of his father. He recognized that there was there, there was so still so much more that he needed to learn. You know, he says, the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent. Solomon had the same vision for the glory of the temple. And he built it according to David's vision of a magnificent, of a famous, of a glorious building to God. And Solomon had this vision breathed into him through his father's influence. We can almost picture an old David and a young Solomon looking over the plans, right? Looking over the blueprints of the temple and 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 the ideas that David had for the opulence for the magnificence of the temple right Solomon knew as far back as he could remember that this was going to be his great task right and so he took that vision of David his father and he took it upon himself to get to go even further than what David was able to do right and that's how it is with our own children you know, both our actual children, even some of our spiritual children, some of our, the younger believers that are looking up to us who have been around for a little bit, you know, we it, it's our job to pass on the vision. It's up to us to, to, to instruct and to teach those who are coming behind us the ways of the Lord, to teach them the word of the Lord, right? And so that, so that our vision becomes their vision. You know, one of the things I know when it comes, you know, when I, specifically when I was in the military, we had we would have a mission, right? And the mission would come from the from the top down. And I would have troops who were like, "I don't get this. Why are we doing this?" Right? And it got to a point where, you know, some of us old heads, you know, it was just like, "Listen, shut up and color, just do it," right? But you have these newer generation coming up, like, but why do I got to do it? Okay. But once you once you're able to explain to them the greater picture, and the part they play in the vision, the part they play on the mission in the mission, right? It becomes more real, and then the vision becomes their vision, the mission becomes their mission. David instilled into Solomon what the vision of the temple was. Right. He instilled into him. He talked to him. He spoke to them. He shared with him the plans. Right. So then it became not just David's vision for the temple. It became, it became Solomon's temple. And, and, and so, so, so again, David knew it wasn't his place to build it, but he had the right vision for the, for the, for the temple in general terms. And he, and, and he passed that vision on to his, his son. It says David made abundant preparations before his death. This, this indicates that, that David was at peace with the idea that he himself could not build a temple and he was content to prepare the way for his son to build it successfully. And he charged Solomon, you know, in verse six, to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. This wasn't a, a suggestion to Solomon. This wasn't just a, an idea, you know, it wasn't just, hey, Solomon, you know, it'd be kind of cool. 
it'd be kind of cool if you built God a temple. You know, no, he was very, very uh, uh, adamant about what he was going to do, do. It was a sacred charge for Solomon to fulfill. And David knew that he could not fulfill this last great work himself. He could only do it through Solomon after David passed away. So there's a sense that that if Solomon failed, David also failed, right? So David was content not to do the actual building. He was content that his son was going to do it, but he wanted to make sure that Solomon had everything in place so that he could not fail. Verse 8, it says, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house from my name. This this explanation was, was not previously recorded in 2 Samuel. When, when we were back in, in 2 Samuel a couple months ago, and David said, I want to build a temple, and God was just like, no, right? You ain't, you ain't going to do it. And here is the explanation why. You have shed much blood. You have made great wars. And here we find one of the reasons why God didn't want David to build a temple and why he chose Solomon instead. God wanted a man of rest. He wanted a man of peace to build his house. It wasn't that David's um, wars were were wrong. It wasn't that his wars were ungodly or that, you know, he often acted, uh, you know, righteously or anything that when he shed blood. It was that God wanted his house to be built from the context of peace and rest and victory. The Lord wanted to be built after and from victory, not from the midst of a struggle. And this teaches us that the church us, the church, and and, and the, the temple um, can be a representation of us, the church. The, the, the church must be built by Jesus. And it should be built, as Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He says in verse 11, may the Lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God. The, the, the writer of Chronicles emphasized David's legacy and Solomon's mission to build the temple. And this would become by far Solomon's greatest accomplishment. He says that you may keep the law of the Lord your God in verse 12. David knew that Solomon could not be strong or courageous without obedient fellowship with God. None of us can be strong or courageous without obedient fellowship with God. Because it's in this place of obedient fellowship that Solomon would prosper in all that he did. It's only through through, through obedient fellowship that any of us will ever prosper in anything that we do. Because we can even seem prosperous, right? We can even we can we can even and seem that, that that things are going our way. But if we are not in continual relationship with Jesus Christ every single day, day in and day out, eventually we're going to fall. And even if we don't fall by man's standards, we're going to fall by God's standards. Because if we're not in relationship with him, we're doing everything through our own strength. And that's a recipe for disaster. We cannot win in that case. He says in verse 13, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now, up to this point, guys, we've read this, this little phrase a few times, all right? 
Solomon could take courage and and he could, Solomon could reject fear because God promised David that as long as his sons walked in obedience, they would keep the throne of Israel. Now, this is an amazing promise, right? Because no matter what any other nation did, no matter what the Assyrians or the Egyptians or the Babylonians or any of them did, as long as David's sons were obedient and they followed God with all their heart and with all their soul, God would establish their kingdom. God would take care of everything. Now, we again, like I just said, we've read this before, be strong and of good courage. This, this, this phrase is used multiple times throughout the Bible. God told Moses to be strong and of, of good courage in Deuteronomy 31.6. Moses told Joshua in Deuteronomy 31.7 to be strong and of good courage. God told Joshua to be strong and of good courage in Deuteronomy 31, verse 23, and again in Joshua 1, verse 6. David commands Solomon here to be strong and of good courage. Hezekiah, later on in 2 Chronicles 32, 7, is going to tell all of Israel to be strong and of good courage. The Apostle Paul closes out 1 Corinthians 6, 16, verse 13 with be strong and of good courage courage. The message is always the same. God's people, you, me, all of us can be strong and of good courage because God goes with us and he fulfills his promises to us. Amen. That he's telling us be strong and of good courage. He's telling you be strong and of good courage. Whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever you, you, you know, the sound of my voice is, is reaching you at, be strong and of good courage. Mary, be strong and of good courage. Eric, be strong and of good courage. Tara, Melanie, Frank, Harriet, be strong and of good courage. Amen. And all we have to do is hold on to the promises of God. All we have to do is be obedient to what he gives us commands and, and be strong and of good courage. And his word promises that he will establish us forever. Amen. Verse 14 says, I have taken much trouble to prepare the house of the Lord. I've taken much trouble. To prepare the house of the Lord, David took seriously his mission to prepare the way by bringing both security and treasure to Israel and to his son Solomon. And with 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 these two advantages of security and treasure, he could build the house of the Lord. The Bible tells us that Jesus, the greatest son of David, Jesus, the descendant of, of King David, is building a temple for us today, according to Ephesians 2. And he could only do this after security and treasure were won. But the greater son of David, Jesus, made this promise and plundered the enemy himself at the cross. That is where Jesus secured security for us. That's where Jesus secured the treasure that we're going to have in heaven. When he plundered death at the cross, Jesus could say that he took much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord. And that he has prepared the building materials because we are his building materials. He's using all of us to build his church. Amen. And so he's prepared us, right? He's prepared us. He's gathered us. He's bringing us together to continue to build his church because there are so many people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are so many people who are lost, so many people who need to know who Jesus is, right? And right now, wherever you are, he is preparing you. He's getting you ready 
right? He is getting you ready to, to, to be obedient. He's getting you ready for the mission field that he's going to send you out in. And the mission field doesn't necessarily need to be uh, going to the Dominican Republic this week with, with the rest of the team. Your mission field could be your home. Your mission field could be your work. Your mission field is when you brave the, the, the treacherous aisleways of ShopRite in the middle of a Sunday afternoon. Praise the Lord. Don't go to ShopRite after church, guys. It is ridiculous, all right? But that could be your mission field where you go out and you can reach those who are far from Jesus, where people can see you and they can ask, there's something different about that person. What is it? I have God in my life. I have Jesus walking with me. Amen. It talks about 100,000 talents of gold. This was an enormous, enormous amount of gold. And different commentators and theologians have looked at it and, and they've said, no, maybe that's a little bit too much. That's that's too little. It don't matter. David amassed a huge amount of gold and silver and iron and all the building materials for the temple of God, for the house of the Lord. He took care of everything. And David told Solomon to receive these resources and add to them. In other words, don't stop. Don't stop gathering, right? Because this place can be even bigger, even better. You know, where Solomon could have just, Solomon could have been like, you know, hey, hey, pop, you, you took care of all this for me. I'm good. This, I'm cool with this. You know, but David said, no, don't stop. Keep going. Add to them. Save as I have saved, he's telling him. Add something for the building. Add something for the splendor of this house. Verse 16, he says, arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. David made all the preparations, but it would have been all in vain if Solomon did not begin working. He had to actually do the work and do it with the confidence that the Lord was with him. David is an example of someone who works in the background, who receives little or no credit for his work. But his job could not be done without him. There are people who help build Fusion Church that none of you guys know, you guys have never seen who may not be a part of the church anymore for 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 a myriad of reasons when we were when we were opening up the the preparing to open up the Egg Harbor Township location and a few guys of you remember there's a lot of work to be done okay so you guys some of you guys you guys walk in and you see everything that's happening all right picture this one big open giant room no no walls no bathrooms no nothing right no, no uh, stone floor. This ugly, Doug, you remember this ugly, nasty blue carpet that they must have put hundreds and hundreds of, gallon of gallons of this industrial strength glue to put this bad boy down, right? And we had a team of people, right? A team. Yes, Doug, my hands still hurt from, from that machine, right? We had a team of people ripping up carpet. Right. There was mirrors on the walls. We had to break down the mirrors. We had to do so much work. Right. And then once we got all the floor down, then we had to grind the floor. We had to clean the floor. We had to do all this work. And a lot of those folks aren't here. But it's because of, listen, it's because of their preparation, their workmanship, the things that they did 
that all of us are benefiting from this location, this building, where we've had hundreds and hundreds of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. On a weekend, we could have hundreds of kids coming into that kids area, and they're learning about who Jesus is. They're learning Bible uh, Bible stories, right? And because of the the work of the unknown people, the unseen hands, right? Except for me and Doug, our hands are still here. Y'all see our hands, man. You know, there are days, Doug, there are sometimes in the middle of the day, my hand, my hand starts shaking from that machine still. You know, I got some PTSD from those machines, but there are so many people we painted, we put up walls, we did all kinds of stuff, right? So that we could build the temple of God. We could prepare the temple for everyone who's going to come in afterwards. Everyone's going to come in later and, and meet Jesus. Amen. So, so, so David gets little to no credit for his work, but David did so much work because David, he gathered the materials for the, for the temple. He prepared those materials to be used. He won peace with the surrounding nations so that Israel could be at peace and have and, and build the temple. David found and purchased the site to build the temple. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He found the site where the temple was going to be built. He established the plans for the temple. I'm sure David poured over those plans endless nights, sleepless nights, where he was where he was looking at the plans with his his architects and his his general contractors, and you know, and it wanted to look like this and look like this. He poured over the plans, right? And he organized and commanded the administration and the servants of the temple so it can be built. Yet no one ever calls this David's temple. This is never not once called David's temple. It seems that, 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 that all the credit, all the name, all the glory goes to Solomon. And this doesn't bother David at all. Why? Because David was a man after God's own heart. As long as God got the glory, David was cool. As long as God's name was magnified, David was all right with that. Right. And I would even go a step further. David was okay, but Solomon gained the credit because I was his son. And as a father of my own son, right? And fathers, you can attest to this. You know, we want our sons to do bigger and better, you know, things than we have ever done. We want our sons to fulfill the dreams that we may have had. And it's our job as fathers, our job as parents to, to sometimes put the dreams into our kids, right? Put the plans, sow the seed, drop the nugget of information, and then watch that thing uh, flourish. Charles Spurgeon writes, so if you go to a country town or village and you preach the gospel to a few poor folk, you may never seem very successful, but you have been preparing the way for someone else who is coming after you. Right now, you know, if you go to Egg Harbor Township location, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of the construction that's been happening in the foyer and things are are, are are being built. And there's so much more uh, building that needs to take place, you know, for, for the for the building to be, you know, totally complete. Right. And a lot of more work's going to have to get done. A whole lot more work's going to have to get done. And we may not be part of the masses of people who are going to come to know Jesus because of our work. If we go back to some of the folk 
who were around when we first purchased that building. They probably had no idea. I know they had no idea because I know I had no idea how crazy it was going to be at a Harbor, Harbor Township. You know, I was one of those. And listen, between between y'all, between us, fam, we family, right? Between us, you know, Doug, you know, Bob, you know, I'm one of those people that was like, Pastor Brennan, crazy, you know? But look what God has done. Look at the ministries. Look at the lives that are being changed. Look at the huge amount of, of, of students and youth who are coming. You know, I think we had five or six youth salvations this week at, at youth group. Come on, that's, in, that's insane. That's insane. Verse 17 says, David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son. David knew that one leader, even a, a good leader, a great leader, could not do enough to get all the work done. So he called, calls a leader. When, when, when God calls a leader, he calls other leaders to help him as well. Pastor Brennan has an, has, was given an amazing vision that we're all seeing, but he could not do it by himself. There's no way. It is impossible, right? Let's take it a step further. Even Pastor Brennan and all the elders could not do the work of Fusion Church by themselves. Pastor Brennan, the elders, and all of us on the pastoral staff could not do it by ourselves. The directors, the coordinators we have in place, could, we could not do it. It takes all of us, every single one of us on this call, everyone who, who's a part of Fusion Church, listening later on, who's part of a dream team, it takes all of us to make this thing work. Verse 19 says, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. This command um, of, David's, uh, of David is entrusting in his control, and, excuse me, in, in his context. David gave this command in, to, in the context of works, not in the context of leisurely praying to God, right? So when he's saying, seek the Lord, you know, he's not just saying, hey, just pray to God, get closer to God, right? David knew that it was it was, it was possible to keep one's heart set on seeking God, even in the midst of doing great work before God. Listen, when you're doing the work of God, you're getting closer to God because you're being obedient. We must seek the Lord just as David saw him. David explains that 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 to to seek how to seek, and that's to 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 devote your heart and soul to God. But practically, to seek the Lord is to build the sanctuary. Practically, he was telling Solomon, build the sanctuary to God, build the temple, seek Him with your heart, seek Him with your devotion, but then actively seek Him by building His temple. Seeking is an act of obedience rather than a search for guidance. So when seeking God, it may be you're doing a work. God may have placed something in your heart. Maybe it is just to serve on a dream team, right? But in doing so, you're seeking God. You're seeking God. And David's going to emphasize this later on in, in chapter 28 of 1 Chronicles, even more about seeking God. So Solomon, he came to the throne of Israel with every possible advantage. If he had made proper use of his of, of of his throne and his talents he would have been the greatest and the wisest of all kings ever but how soon did all the gold that he had amassed all the silver how soon did all that lose its shine it began with his unlawful marriages and if you've read anything about solomon my man had 
a thousand wives and concubines. Ridiculous. Made no sense. Right. Zero sense. A thousand. You know, I'm I'm barely hanging on to one. And this dude had a thousand. You know, you know what I'm saying? But when he did that, his life got all out of whack. And his unlawful marriages led him to things that were absolutely forbidden by the law of God. He married pagan women, and they turned his heart away from God. And we have people at the church um, who, who they, you know, their their life is all out. You know, everything's going crazy, right? And when you start to talk to them and just ask them questions, one of the things is not the only thing. But one of the common denominators is they're in an unlawful relationship by biblical standards, right? They're they're with someone who's not a believer. They're living with someone who's not a believer. And they wonder, how come I'm not being blessed? Why am I so full of anxiety? Why do I have so much fear? It's because you are in an unlawful relationship. And again, that's not the only reason, but that's one of the common denominators, okay? I may not know a whole lot, but I do know this. That's one of the common denominators, right? And Solomon is a prime example because, you know, we previous to him, even David had multiple wives, right? But David didn't have a thousand wives. As it, as it was, David was, you know, unlawful, married, having multiple wives, right? But at the same time, Solomon also allowed those wives to bring in their pagan idolatry, their pagan rules, their pagan morals. Right, and it corrupted him. It turned his heart away from God. And the once wise and holy Solomon um, died a fool and an idol worshiper. Did David live in vain? Can it truly be said that that he failed in his grandest project of his life? No, because he did all that he was permitted to do, and by making those making all the preparations, he was really the means of the building of the temple. What has God called you to prepare? What has God called you to get ready for? Because it may not be for you. It may be for your children, your children's children. Maybe it is God has called you to to begin to build a legacy of faith for your family. A testimony of the great things that God has done. And by building your faith and passing that faith on to your children. Just as David passed on the plans of the temple to his son, Solomon, right? Maybe God wants you to do the same thing with your faith, with your belief, instructing your children who God is, what God has done in your life, what God is prepared to do with your family. And that's a legacy that we can all stand on. David didn't didn't need the glory of building the temple. Again, it wasn't called David's temple. It's never been called David's temple. It's called Solomon's temple, the grandest temple ever. And all David did was prepare the way and get ready so his son. So my brothers and sisters, what is it that God has called you to do? What is it that God has called you to prepare? What is it that God has told you to get ready for? Because I can promise you whatever it is, it's going to be an amazing thing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that we can have an example of King David and King Solomon, Lord, of David preparing the way for his son to do a marvelous work, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that whatever it is you've called us to do, Lord God, that our hearts would be in tune with you, Lord God, that we would become sons and daughters after your own heart, Lord God. 
so we can be content with whatever it is because we know it may be for a greater purpose later on down the road. I pray for my brothers and sisters on this call, Lord God, that you would just be with them, keep them and guide them, Lord God. Open up their minds, open up their hearts, continue to speak to them, Lord God. Give them dreams and visions of, of what you want, what you want for them and what you have in store for them. Father, we love you. We just thank you for all the great things you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all, and I'll see you next week. God bless.